Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast, and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Our next guest is very special. In fact, he's a Turkish immigrant that is now Leadville's leading mayor. Today's guest is Mayor Greg Lobby, and I couldn't be more excited. He's been hanging out with uh, some of our more famed runners, some of our more colorful runners, and he's been adding the color to ultra-running tights since day one. Please give a very warm welcome to one of my favorite characters as we get underway with Mayor Greg Lobby. Okay, Mr. Mayor, we have a saying here in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. I'd love to know when Leadville found you and how. That is interesting because I had uh, moved to Colorado in 1987, and uh, in 1989, I was in Breckenridge, and uh, I, you know the owner of my company, uh, he had a, had a condo there, and he would let us use it from time to time, and I thought, I'd love to have a place in the mountains, but... I couldn't afford any of it. <laughs> yeah. And so I saw this thing on the news that was talked about this gym, un- unknown gym in the mountains, and it was Leadville. And I was in Breckenridge, and I realized it was just like <laughs> 45 minutes away. So drove over to Leadville, and I'm wandering around town, and uh, it appeals to me right away because I grew up in Europe mostly and, and in Turkey uh, okay. when, I was, when I was a kid and going to high school and everything. And so I, I had learned to love decay. Okay, yes, <laughs> I, yes. I, 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 you know, uh, anyway, so I get to Leadville, and right away this place just appeals to me. It's this funky old mining town, and it just has, it has a vibe about it that just, yes. just suited me to a T. <laughs> and then I'm walking along, and there's an old guy sitting on, on the stoop of his porch, and he, he'd lived here all his life. We got to talking to him, and, and he said, what, what brought you here? And I said, you know, I'm just... I, really would love to have a place in the mountains, but I can't afford anything. He said, well, son, you came to the right place because they're giving them away here. <laughs> so, and he, and he was talking about some prices, and I said, that's incredible. So I got a real estate agent. I bet within a week or so, I'd looked at a dozen places that were $20,000 or less in 1989. Okay. Oh, it was just stupid. Uh, and, and so I ended up buying a home here. Okay. And okay. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. One of the best life decisions I've <laughs> ever made. Well, now, how did you supplement an income not knowing, you know, what were you doing for work at the time? Or, at the time, or I, was, I, was, I was managing a trucking company. I was making a nice living. Okay. And so that wasn't really the issue. I had uh, some money saved up. Uh, so I made a down payment. The people that, I, that uh, sold it to me. Uh, had to move, as was happening a lot okay. in the late, you know, uh, 1980s. And uh, and then they did an owner carry on the difference. Um, and that worked out beautifully for me. And, you know, it became this place for, for my sons and I that, w- 
that was really special. They were already bicyclists, yeah, you know, and so they they loved that part of it. But they became runners, mm-hmm. and uh, and that became the Leadville Trail One Hundred became a family enterprise for us. Just something that that, that was a incredibly important to us as a family. Um, and I would even say when we, that, that first year we were here, we, we mm-hmm. bought the house like in late June mm-hmm. and, and we were, uh, <clears throat> we were here in August and there was something going on. Yes. <laughs> so we asked somebody what's going on. And they said, Oh yeah, they're doing this hundred mile foot race through the mountains. And I said, shut up. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> So my son Chris had just finished uh, a bicycle ride from Washington D.C. to San Francisco. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, that's and, a big feat, yeah, especially so, in that and time. And so they said so the person we were talking to said, "Well, they need the people need pacers and 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 you know." So he he went got a pair of shoes. He wasn't a runner at all, uh-huh. and he paced some guy that night from Fish Hatchery. Inn. Oh goodness! So yeah. that's a good thirty. That's out, an ultra marathon in and of And it itself. turns out the guy that he paced was that was the uh, was the director of Vermont. Oh, the hundred, uh, yeah, 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 Vermont hundred. Oh goodness! And then that guy ended up staying at our house. He had, and the guy and his daughters were camping out in the back of a pickup truck, and yeah. so they they came and spent a couple of days at our house. Uh, and you know that was our that was our you know the first time we'd ever even heard of a hundred mile race, and the next year I paced. Oh, uh-huh, okay. And I paced for years after that. Yes. Um, okay. Just it, uh, it was something that I loved to do. The cool part of, with pacing is, first of all, you don't have to run a hundred miles. Right. And second of all, you don't have to pay an entry fee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, so it's just a great way to participate in the Leadville Trail 100. Yeah. Uh, without, without quite, you know, uh, without, without that, making the commitment. Yes. Yes. It's, <laughs> um, it's a dedicated participation over a committed participation. It's just something that we did as a family. And then, then I think Chris now has run the Leadville Trail 100 like eight times. Yeah. And Andrew does like six times. And I think Chris has. Four of the or finishers finishes. Okay, I mean, yeah. Andrew, I think uh, uh, I think maybe three or four of his six are finishes. You know, yeah, so yeah. I think it, Chris and I for sure on the same. Yeah. It doesn't always work out. No, uh, but it's, but it's been fabulous for us. And we we've, we've all we've crewed, we've paced, we've run, we've done all these things. And now you know, uh, I've worked the the Twin Lakes Aid Station for. I did about five years at the Twin Lakes Aid Station. So. Uh, you know, being the captain at the Twin Lakes Aid Station. So this has been something that has been, uh, you know, for our family has been important to us. Well, for sure. And, and we love hearing that. And we absolutely recognize you as part of that family. Um, yeah, one thing about that, you know, when you get up on that stage in front of our overall <laughs> family, when you get up there to tell all these athletes, uh, welcome to Leadville. What's that like? What's it like? I, I have to tell you, first of all, it's a little intimidating, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but also, you know, as mayor, I've got to do so many cool things mm-hmm. and that is such a thrill for me. <laughs> uh, just, just to get up there and, and after all these years being associated with the Leadville Trail 100, but to be the person that gets to greet them and thank yes. them for being part of the Leadville family and to be here in Leadville uh, with us. 
Uh, that has been such a privilege for me. Well, we love that. We absolutely love hearing you get up there and you have that same color we do. So <laughs> it's a it's a great fit. Now let's let's dig into this mayor thing. Have you always had political aspirations? Uh, Not at all. How long have no. you been mayor of Leadville? What brought this on? I've been mayor for a little over five years. Uh, it has been one of the great uh, uh, episodes of my life. And I've, I've had, you know, I've had a terrific life and I've had all of these fabulous things that have gone on in my life. But this may be really a pinnacle for me because uh-huh. I love doing it. But there was nothing purposeful about it. Okay. <laughs> it was pretty much accidental. Would you, you like know? to to keep going where you are? Do you have further aspirations? Oh, heavens no. So, you know, okay. <laughs> I have a little over two and a half years left as mayor. Yeah. I think we've accomplished a lot in the time I've, I've been mayor. Absolutely. I feel really good about it. Uh, and Can you I'm, talk about some of those accomplishments? Oh, geez. It would be hard to list everything. But list some of your we, favorites. We, we started right off by purchasing. I, I became mayor in, in January. That November, we purchased the Tabor Opera House. That yep. was a huge step for this city. And, yes. and it was a real risk, too. Yes. Uh, as it turns out, we were able to do we the entire purchase was grant funded, you know. So mm-hmm. it didn't and, and we're we're not a wealthy city. We no, just, right. We're, we're, we are we're, boom and bust. We're a mountain rural uh, community mm-hmm. and not very big. So so buying the Tabor Opera House, we 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 bought it for six hundred thousand dollars, but we were able to do that entirely with grant funding, and so that was a big step for us. And in the sure. meantime, we've done so many things. I've all, I had always wanted gateway signage, which we now yes, have in place. Yes. And we have wayfinding signage. And, and we're, we're changing out all the street signs in terms of, of that, uh, the look of Leadville. Yes, um, yes. You know, uh, but even before I became mayor, the, the person who is now doing the rail yard project came, came and, and asked about, you know, what you know, that might mean to the city. And, and it occurred to me pretty early on that it was a game changer for us. Yes. And it's not that I'm I'm a big on development. I've told people, if Leadville never changed at all, wouldn't hurt my feelings even a little bit. Right. But I knew that was going to be built. And so we annexed that into the city. Okay. In about the first year I was mayor. Okay. And that was a big effort. Yeah. Uh, and because we did that, we put in place an urban renewal authority. And now that urban renewal authority can put in place what's called tax increment financing, uh, both to help that developer succeed, but also ultimately, and it may be after I've left as mayor, there may be money available through tax increment to help our downtown uh, buildings, building owners and businesses uh, renovate. Boy, that's great. Bringing those buildings up to code is enormously expensive. Yes. And right now there's no way to do it. Right. You know, right. There, there's nobody you can pencil out $200,000 in cost to bring their building up to code uh, unless they can get help. Right. And tax increment based on, on the, the valuation of the rail yards is the way to do that. Okay. Because it doesn't raise any taxes whatsoever. Okay. And nobody yeah. feels the brunt of that taxation. Right. But it, it is available to us uh, through the Urban Renewal Authority okay. to help these downtown businesses renovate and succeed because if we don't do it those buildings are going to fall down god yes i mean they're 140 years old now i remember what we went through with our 213 property and we had to get grants uh brahms had help with grants and we know he's invested 
you know, quite heavily as well. It's a big deal. I think when all said and done, maybe uh, annexing, that, annexing that property and putting in place an urban renewal authority will probably be the biggest accomplishment, you know. But we've, 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 we're very active as a city. Yeah. Uh, we work very hard at this every single day. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've got a lot done. So. Yes. Yes, you have. And when I'm done, I'm going to be done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and you do work very hard. And I know you play hard, too. So let's talk about maybe some of your extracurricular activities. I know it involves bikes. But in your case... I think you like the motor aspect. A yeah, if bit. you if you have to pedal them, that's just that's a waste of good human effort. I think if you've got a motor, now you're talking. Okay, so what are you? <laughs> what do you enjoy doing with your hobby time on these? Well, I'm an endurer, okay. so I've raced motorcycles for over 50 years now. Yeah, uh, actually, and I think I'm I'm in my 51st year of racing motorcycles. Well, didn't you just get back from a big enduro somewhere? Uh, I had an enduro weekend before last. That's okay. Uh, and then I, I've had, that's the fifth one of the season okay. this year. Okay. Um, and and uh, I think for the last three years, now I have to, I have to remind everybody, I'm now in the over 70 class, which is, <laughs> it is stupid to be racing a cross-country motorcycle in your 70s. Well, yeah, I mean, it's still just as much work as those bicycles with that core and the movement. Well, I'll tell you this. This is the part people don't understand. In an, in an enduro, your heart rate is in zone five the entire time that, <laughs> you're, that you're racing. Pan, you're, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't understand it unless you do it. Right. And I'm talking about, uh, I'm, I now just turned 73. Yeah. Last year, I was in an enduro where I was in, in, in my heart rate was in the 170s and capped out at 178. Well, <laughs> technically, my max heart rate should be 148. Right, right. So, just saying. Okay, I mean, that's very uh, impressive. You just you, you can't understand it until you do it. But nonetheless, so as stupid as it is, I still love to race. Okay. And, and uh, I'm going to do it until I can't do it. I mean, and that day will come. But I think that's the right attitude for any of our athletes with you know, anything they're doing. It's true. Whether, you, whether you're a lifetime runner or a lifetime bicyclist, or in this case, a lifetime cross-country enduro racer, <laughs> uh, the point is that the racing is, is, is the ultimate goal of what you want to do. Yes. But the lifestyle that allows you to do that yes. is what really uh, makes a difference in your life. Boy, your quality yes. of life is so much better. Yes, and now you've mixed your two and taken yeah. that enduro onto the Leadville course. I what, was a, what I was a trail runner for, for so many so many years, and yes. that was part of the, the lifestyle that allowed me to be an enduro rider. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and, and um, in that in that history of uh, being a runner, somehow you adopted the ability of hoarding athletes at your house for these events. <laughs> yes, and, we did. Um, I think you've gotten them from back of the Packers to Orkart wielding heroes. So yeah. tell me those stories. I mean, we've got all the big names. I want to start with one of my favorites. That's a little less known, which was Joe Marchand, our, our Canadian teaching buddy. But, you know, um, I'm going to ask for dirt on a lot more after that. Well, Joseph was, uh, he was such a, you know, you, you have this image of runners. 
Yes. Well, Joseph was like five foot four. I don't even know what his height was. No, it was about he, five foot four. And he was really stocky. He had been a gymnast when uh-huh. he was younger. And, and so he was like this fire plug. But here's what Joseph could do. He could run 13-minute miles for 100 miles. Yes. It was, it was crazy to pace with him because you couldn't run. I couldn't run 13-minute miles. Right. I could run 10-minute miles. Right. I could walk 15-minute right. miles. But so I'd run, walk, run, walk, run, walk in order to stay with him because I couldn't do that thing that he did. <laughs> right. He right. Was, and he was fabulous. I think that one, the first time I ever paced him, I was just in my early 40s and he was in his early 50s. Mm-hmm. And he would always win the over 50 class at the Lego oh, 100. Yeah. And, and the first year that I paced him, he finished like 20th. Yes. Overall. Yes. I felt trail 100. And the second year I paced him, he finished sixth. Overall, guys, he was relentless. Now I think that year that he finished sixth might have been nineteen ninety four. It might have been, and there might have been a bunch of Taramari Indians. And <laughs> he might have been in the mix of that. Yeah, uh, no, they were gone. <laughs> they were way out front. Uh, you know, but, well, but, no, so he, he was. Did a, he did a twenty one fifty seven. Yeah, he which, did, which now might get him in the top four. I think the year that the Taramara were there, he did a twenty fifty something. No, did he? Okay, so he like he actually was right at the tail end of it. He was he was just amazing <laughs> because he was the least likely looking person absolutely to be a hundred mile runner you could ever imagine. Ab- and uh, and he was so. And I'll also tell you on course, and he knew this. We talked about it many times. <laughs> He got really cranky. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, as a, as a pacer, you you know, but it, this is true of a lot of ultra runners. My father, I paced him a lot. You, you have to be ready <laughs> for them to maybe not be the most friendly people you would ever want to be around. Absolutely. And you have to be ready for them. <laughs> yes, you do. And Joseph was one of those. So, But I just, I love getting him to the finish line. Did it many times. I think I paced for him seven times. And... Uh, he was, uh, he's one of my heroes. Oh, that's great. I mean, but now you've had a lot of very big names stay at your house. Can you go through some of those names? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, Kamaya Blanco, you know, Micah True. I mean, that's he, a pretty big one. The funny, <laughs> the funny thing about Micah is that he was pretty cantankerous, too, as everybody <laughs> knows. Uh, but, but really, really a great person. And he would never actually stay at the house. I have, on my, on my, property in the city, I have like five city lots, and in the back corner of that property is is a shed. Yeah. It's a good shed. Yeah. It's a nice shed. We now call it the presidential suite, because <laughs> El Presidente, Caballo Blanco, that was his place. Okay. He he wouldn't stay anywhere else, and he, he never would stay in the house with <laughs> us. So he had, he had he had the presidential suite. Well, did he ever go in and, and share his stories with you guys? I'm oh yeah, sure. yeah, no, no, he was in the house a lot. Don't get me wrong. He, he just, just didn't wouldn't stay. stay in the house. Even even when he had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, 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 Maria. Yeah. When 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 uh, El Mariposa was there, <laughs> and I said, "Look, now you have a girlfriend. You can't stay in the presidential suite. You need to stay in the house. You can have my room in the house. Nope, nothing doing." <laughs> <laughs> well, she she might be tougher than he she ever was. was. I mean, she, she was definitely a she trooper. She is I mean, the heart of gold, but she's a warrior. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. 
Yeah. So, so Micah was, was, a, was a great person to have at my house. Barefoot Ted, the first time he ever stayed there, he took over the whole garage. He had an entourage. There were like eight of them. Yeah. And they actually took my garage and set up tents inside my garage. Okay. And they, that was their enclave. <laughs> it was funny as all get out. And, uh, you know, over the years, uh, Barefoot Ted would be there many, you know, year after year. Yeah. And, and, you know, he would run the Leadville Trail 100. The first time he ever ran it that he stayed at my house, he was running in those Vibram five things. Yeah. And the yeah. next year he was in sandals. Yeah. Which he was starting to develop his line of Luna sandals. Sure. Uh, and then he would run in Lunas from then on. Yeah. That uh, first one was. You the... talk about another warrior. <laughs> yeah. Man. And everybody, when you read the book, uh, Born to Run, if you didn't know him, you would think he was the craziest <laughs> human being on the planet. Not true. Not true. Uh, definitely eccentric. Definitely what, eccentric. What a, a great personnel. Oh, he's what a great another heart of gold. Just <laughs> so willing to be your best friend. and he, He's just been fabulous. Yeah, boy, he, he really is. And he we is have so many sure. other people stay there. We had, uh, you know. Patrick Sweeney stayed, oh, well, yeah, stayed there many years and, and run, run Leadville Trail 100. I think I bought three or four pair of Lunas out of the back of your house from Patrick Sweeney. <laughs> you know, that's a, there. my first pair of Lunas. It's from Patrick? Pair, no, no, no. It was from Ted. He had set up uh, good. He had set up in my garage was making them. Oh, okay. So I, got OG, pair, OG, I got a pair. OG, I got a pair that he cut. You know, like cut. Personally, cut. It's, yeah. it's, it's the strap. Ones, and the tire. Yeah. Yeah, tie yeah. strap ones. And I still got those sitting in my house, and I've worn them from time to time. I have a more modern pair of Lunas now. <laughs> well, yes, yes, they've they've made <coughs> tremendous improvements, oh, haven't yeah. they? They're very comfortable. <laughs> and then who, you know, who else? I mean, we've had so many people there. My sons, uh, you know, Chris and Andrew, uh, you know, Chris Lobby and Andrew Lobby. They've run many times, and and they've also paced people and also crewed people. This has been been a you know. Uh, an event that has been near and dear to their hearts. Uh, we had Ian Charman stayed there uh, one time, uh, and he won that year. Um, he not only he, won that year, he won Patrick Sweeney's Beer Mile with your son's <laughs> beer in Lewis. I forget, I, forget about, I forget about the intergalactic Beer Mile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do I, that essentially, every year. that's Patrick created that in your backyard. He absolutely did. <laughs> yeah, well, we go out on the boulevard there. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the, and uh, quite illegally. I hope nobody from the police department or sheriff's office is listening to this right now. If they are, you know, we'll pay, pay our dues. No, we'll give them beer. <laughs> yeah, we'll hook you up with some beer. We know people. We, yeah, we can we can take care of that. Anyway, quite illegally, we sat up on the boulevard every year, mark off a quarter mile, run run that course. It's it's stupid fun. Well, I mean, it's the only time I th I see three generations of lobby there. Yeah, that's, and, that is true. You know, I see all all the beer, beer mile. Everybody dresses up. That's where I wear my tights. You know, and and uh, you you know you're you're familiar with the. Uh, with wearing uh, spectacularly distasteful Well, hey, tights. let's take a break there. So, yeah, let's talk about those tights for a second. I mean, uh, my history with it started with my dad. Um, you know, he's always been a cowboy and a miner and all these tough things. But <laughs> somehow he was a product of the 80s and the neon stuck with him. And that was kind of when I remember the introduction of tights. 
And we had just some guy show up selling crazy printed tights. Right. And my dad and I went hammer on them. I mean, we have them on every shot when dads ran the races, but I never thought I'd see it revived like the way I have with you. And it's magnificent, and I love it. So tell us about that. Well, you know, when you live in Leadville, you can be silly and eccentric, and (laughs) and people accept that. I mean, they're not going to second-guess the fact that you're wearing these, these, you know, uh, really really brightly colored tights. (laughs) Well, yes, yes. So do you have any other fashion trends, or do your kids, or... No, you know, running run, run in, in, you know, brightly colored tights, wearing Lunas, uh, you know, uh, maybe a silly hat or two. It just, it's just part of what you do. One time I ran the Firecracker 5K in those tights, uh-huh. and I didn't have time to change, so I also announced the, the 4th of July parade oh, God. in those tights. <laughs> How did that go? I don't know. You're, you're, you're up on this display. People probably make fun of me, but, you know, that's okay. I don't really care. Well... It's it's definitely who you are, and it definitely uh, it's more fun if you're that way than not. We all think that. So, you know, what are you've had all these eccentric characters at your house? You're this eccentric character. What are some of your more memorable moments? Uh, crewing, pacing, running during during the event. You know, every single time I've paced, it's been special. You know, to pace with sure. different people and. Uh, and most of them went under 25. Oh, you know, in the first, okay. in the first like 10 or 12 years that I paced, the first time that didn't happen, uh, you know, I paced a couple uh, from the fish hatchery in, yeah. and they finished in 27 something. But it was a, a, a man and wife, and, and they finished together. It's kind of cool. Yeah, really cool. Uh, and then every year after that, because the next year I did Joseph, yeah. and he would finish under 25. He'd do like 21, oh, 22. God. Yeah. You know, he was always, you know, exceptional. Uh, and then I rate, uh, did a series of runners, and I'm pretty sure it's all about me. That's why well, they went under 25, was then, because I was there. I need your help. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. I've but, been a bridesmaid, but whoa. Yeah, yeah, but, but I would say there is one runner that I ran with that maybe made the biggest impression on me. Okay. It was a woman. Uh, great. It was Anna Braga. Okay. And she was from Mill Valley, okay. uh, California. And, uh, and, and she was looking for a pacer. And I would also always, you know, uh, go to Bill's Sports Shop yep. and, and sign up to be a pacer. Yeah, yeah, back in the old day with uh-huh. the sheet. Yeah, yeah. and they, they'd match me up with a runner, and, and I'd call them, and we'd talk. Uh-huh. So I talked to Anna, and, and um, we, we actually went on a couple training runs together before. Led oh, she, okay. she was here. Yeah. And um, and I didn't really know what to expect. And so I was at the Twin Lakes Aid Station. I was going to pace her from Twin Lakes in. Yeah. And I was at the Twin Lakes Aid Station, and it was getting late. And her husband was bringing her over over from Winfield. Uh-huh. And she got there. I don't want to belabor the story, but she got no. there one minute before the cutoff. Okay. And at that time, we, you had to be out. We could run her, we could run her through the check, uh-huh. and uh, and then we we uh, we crewed her on on the backside, so she made it through the check. Yeah, there in the firehouse. Yeah, one minute before the cutoff. That is a scary place. And I to remember be. I'd pay, I've been pacing for a long time, and I remember thinking she doesn't have a prayer. Right, and it took us eight minutes to get her through that. You know, to get her her crew. Yeah, to get her out of there, and after that we start that climb, 
that three mile climb, you know, up, yeah. up out of Twin Lakes. And uh, she's doing okay, but we're not going very fast. Right. And then we get to the top of that. And, and then one of my favorite parts of the course is from the, from the top of that climb all the way down to half moon. Okay, yeah. It, it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you know, for you're, sure. You're on the Colorado Trail, and it is you're a in all gorgeous run. And so we were moving pretty well. We're running, you know, we're not running very fast, uh-huh. and we start passing people. Okay. And and we were running through the night. Uh-huh. And every person we passed, I said, that person's not going to finish. <laughs> and then I started I started calling her, uh, uh, what do I call her, Sea Biscuit. Okay. Because we'd be moving along at a pretty good pace, and when we'd see a runner ahead of us, she'd She'd speed up. Okay. (laughs) It was the damnedest thing. And that happened all night long. Okay. When she saw someone in front of her, she she would just, she would speed up, and and it was like this competitive spirit in her. Okay. And we kept going through the night, and we were dropping down onto Half Moon Road. Yeah. And Joanne was the cutoff queen at that Uh, that that time. And Joanne's there at the road. Yeah, and, man, and you're on the road. I, yeah. I saw her there, and I said, Joanne, we were nine minutes behind. And, and that's when we when hit the road. Yeah, and that's the old course. you couldn't make up time through there. Yeah. And that's the old course, that's dropping down to the Half Moon Campground. And that's And tough. I asked Joanne, I said, are you going to cut us off? <laughs> and she said, she said, you're moving pretty well. I won't cook, cut you off if you keep moving. Yeah. So you know it's about a mile and a half down to the half. And you got the cutoff queen. We, and, and, and Joanne Joanne told us. And so we didn't even stop. There was a, a check-in at one end, the tent, and a check-out at the other end. Yeah. And we blew straight through there. We checked in, <laughs> ran right by. There must have been 30 people in that tent. Well, that's the best one to blow through because that's the one that was always hot. And anyway, suck you in. So, yeah. So we didn't even slow down. Okay. And when we got down to tree line after that, uh, her crew was there and helped us, you know, got us some, some help. Uh-huh. And we kept going. We ran all through the night. <laughs> the person that I thought didn't have a chance to finish the Leadville Trail 100 did a 2944. Oh, she was the, the most. That was the guttiest performance I had ever seen. What well, you're essentially negative splitting the course back, you know. She I mean, she was she was amazing. <laughs> what a what a will. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's I'm glad that's your favorite. What a, a thing to leave these people with. I mean, because that's a hundred percent what we're about. I, I write blogs all the time about you know being sweet behind that person that doesn't have a chance, and then. You know, you get to that aid station, there's five guys there that look like me, and they quit. <laughs> you know, and then you get to, it just keeps compounding, right? That yeah. that person just keeps compounding their miles to they make it 100. Now, so, my dad definitely is one of those characters on the trail. What are your most memorable moments of my father and Mary Lee through all <laughs> these adventures that you've had with us over the years? Here's, here's what I would say about Ken and Mary Lee. They always kept their cool. And uh, okay. I, I can tell you from experience, stuff goes wrong all the time. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they are constantly having to act and react <laughs> to issues on the course at aid stations. Yeah. Um, and, and they were always very, very calm. Now, I, I know that it might have been different, you know, pacing him as a runner, 
because um, sometimes he'd be putting on the event and he'd run it. Oh yeah, he you know he always ran it. Uh, he was kind of a runner when all this started, but it was more like the fame of the borough race, I think. Um, but I said, you know, decades later, we're pacing him. He's just having a horrible time. Throwing up every five seconds. Dad, why do you do this crap? <laughs> and he said, I do it because I can't ask these other people to, and I'm not doing it. Yeah. And by God, that was pretty humbling. Well, he was every bit uh, as tough as, as they were. Yeah, I mean that's There's why no he, he that's why he had a race director <laughs> so he could put his butt on the line, so to speak. I mean, I, I quite frankly feel that burden myself because of him and his lessons. I feel like I got to put my butt on that line because now I'm. He's working for a lifetime. I'm right. asking people to put their butt on the line. So. Right. Well, you've done it, though. I mean, well, it's not like you haven't paid the price. No, i paid the price. Yeah, i paid the price uh, four times with your son. I've yeah. fought, but I started five times. I I tried when I was 21. That went over like a fart in a space suit. <laughs> and I tried the bike when I was 22, and that went about the same. But when I turned 30... It you know life changed. My dad's lessons started making sense. Seeing all of you out there every year, it gets you, and it draws you in and makes you want to go do it yourself. But I'll tell you about back to Ken and Merrily, um, One of the things I've, I've enjoyed the, maybe the most is is developing a friendship with them over the years uh, because what they've done for this community is unestimable. Uh, you know, and and we started out as a mining town and yep. we had history and that was it, yeah. you know, and now we are an absolute adventure Mecca. We sure are. Now I got to give a little credit there. I just did a podcast with Carl Miller and, uh, you know, uh, when that final boom came with the mine in 1982 and they had governor lamb up here, um, you know, I, I'm going to give credit to Governor Lamb on that one. Uh, it is dad, too, for sure, in the 100. And, but Governor Lamb was very integral in you've got to diversify. You you know, you're known for mining. you got to diversify. And that's the governor. All he, he left us with was you got to have people stay overnight. You can't just have them come and do a 5K, a borough race. you got to have them stay overnight. And so that's what lit Dad's candle. But, <laughs> you know, absolutely um, all, of the, all of that magic coming together. It's a lot of times we find out it's in our darkest moments that our light can shine the brightest. And, you know, this community never thought it would see anything other than hard rock mining. And even the mining we're doing here today isn't hard rock mining, you know? So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, back to, you know, that it's become this Mecca, you know, what, uh, what kind of PR do you think Leadville seen from these events? I mean, that's basically what we're talking about here. I think that what has happened is that Leadville is seen in a different light. 
by people who value the lifestyle that that exists here. Uh, this is we're we're the highest city in, in North America. Yes, and the lifestyle here is <laughs> is resilient. Uh, you know, people who live here, who work here, and who hike, run, bicycle here, mm-hmm. um, they there is a value and a pride uh, oh, sure. uh, to this place. And so I think we're seeing through that lens, not only nationwide, but internationally now. Yes, I do too, for sure. I mean, in fact, you know, we have enough entrants, you know, worldwide now that would fill the race. And so, you know, Leadville's found them. And a lot of them, you know, like you, you know, your roots are even on foreign soil. And I didn't didn't realize that. So, you know, in a longer coming, that's kind of that same story for sure. Well, so on that point, you know, what is Leadville up to these days? If our athletes are here during outer race times, what can they do? You know, just today, I had a conversation with a couple who's building a house out at the railroads. And they're here because that guy is a Leadville Trail 100 runner. That's great. And she's also a runner, although she she was quick to point out that she does short distance running, not, not long distance running. But what we found, found is people who have come here for the Leadville Trail 100, but understand that this place is something special for the people who are willing to, to live here. And yes. That's, that's not always easy. Our winters are not easy. No, there's a lot of magic. But At 10,000 feet, um, you know, we're, we're colder than, certainly than Denver. We oh, average sure. about 20 degrees colder than Denver on any given time. Day or night. Well, that's a good point. I mean, it was 70. I was in Denver and I left and it was 70 and I'm here now and it's 40. But by God, the magic's here because I came from Minnesota and it's also 40 and I'm in my parka. <laughs> but here I got my windows down, yeah. my AC on. I mean, that sun and it's I tell people just in a... other parts of the country, <laughs> I don't think they believe me, but I said, if it's 40 degrees and the sun's out, you're not wearing a jacket. Well, you might wear short sleeves. You might. And the it's, sun at 10,000 feet is, is, uh, has, has its own special magic. Uh, yeah, it's just another one of Leadville's like, magical right. pieces for sure. Um, now, we've had a great discussion, a great trip down memory lane. We have. Um, but, Mr. Mayor, you have actually lived and breathed every faucet of this event. Um, You've talked about the morphous of your sons from cyclists to just healthy living adults. And, you know, um, I really would like you to share what you've learned um, about those changes just in yourself and how that can benefit our athletes. We have talked about the very lifestyle that, that you need to, to live every day. And we're not just talking about running. Or bicycling, we're talking about how you eat, how you sleep, how you stay active. And, and all those things become critical to your ability to perform. Yes. And if you're not willing to live that lifestyle, it will catch up with you. You will not be able to perform, at, at not, certainly not at the level of the Leadville Trail 100. Um, but but this, this is, it, it informs every single facet of your life mm-hmm. and... 
maybe more importantly, it makes the quality of life so much better. Yes. Yes, it absolutely. It does. I mean, it allows you to keep up with what you want to do. Life of health is a life. I forgot that one. I'll have to get back to it later. Um, Now also we're out there on race day and this is also where you've got to experience every part of it. These athletes haven't been here. They're new. Leadville just found them. They're struggling. We don't know where they are in the course. What advice do you have for them? What is going to get them to that line? (laughs) We've heard it a million times. Relentless forward motion. (laughs) Okay. Don't stop. Don't don't think that taking a 15-minute break in a lawn chair is going to help you get to the finish line. It's not. (laughs) I can tell you from the experience of of being with these athletes, watching these athletes, uh, there is no easy way. No. To get to that finish line. No, no. You, you, you're going to suffer. <laughs> and, and that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> that's a, a great way of putting it. It's very true. And a part of this event, we can't sugarcoat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, the big question here. What do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? For me... It is this this high mountain rural community that I love being part of. And the Leadville Trail 100 is part of that, but it's only a part. Mm-hmm. What we have in Leadville is a, is a burgeoning, and this has been going on for about 15 years, young families mm-hmm. moving here to raise their children in an atmosphere that they value, not the city, mm-hmm. uh, to live a lifestyle that they value, um, and, and that is to me, the most important part of Leadville. Sure. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's been such a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for your time. Is there anything else you want to tell these people before I let you go? <laughs> no, no. I think we've covered a lot, Cole. Thank you for the opportunity to, to, uh, to, as you say, take the stroll down memory lane because this is, uh, going on over 30 years of Leadville for me. And uh, I, I have loved it. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a pleasure. And here's to many more. Thank you, Cole. Well, there you have it. Thank you for joining as Mayor Lobby and myself covered his 30 years of history in Leadville and our 38-year history in Leadville. Um, Once again, if you liked what you've heard, please give us a subscribe on wherever you're catching your podcast from. And don't forget to visit LeadvilleRaceSeries.com to keep you in the know on all things Leadville. Have a great day and we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville.